Good morning, everyone. We're reading in Psalm 2, and this is number 6 of our meditations. Psalm 2, verse 6, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. <clears throat> my attention, my intention, rather, was and still is to glean practical lessons from the book of Psalms. It wasn't to enter into a deep doctrinal and prophetic explanation. However, I'm most concerned at what I'm hearing amongst those who profess to be Christians in these days. So my reason for going into some extensive detail in the last couple of messages are, number one, Christians, me included, need to have their faith strengthened in the absolute accuracy and total reliability and infallibility of God's holy word, the Holy Scriptures. Number two, there's a real need, I believe, for Christians to have a proper understanding of the divine program of the ages. Because the Bible gives us that. And not to allow popular opinion to rule their minds by which I mean that the Old Testament promises to the patriarchs are yet to be fulfilled, and the Church of Jesus Christ is not a replacement for the nation Israel who rejected their Messiah when the Lord Jesus came. Replacement theology is totally misguided and wrong. It's due to a misunderstanding of what the Scripture says about the eternal purposes of our God. There is future blessing for that nation. And as our verse says, God will yet set his king upon his holy hill of Zion, that is Jerusalem. And Jesus will occupy the throne of his father David and will reign over the house of Jacob forever and over all upon, sorry, over all the earth for a thousand years with universal authority and for universal blessing. I've been told that I made the last message far too complicated, and I was also asked what had Daniel's prophecy to do with Psalm 2. Well, I take it on the chin. But in self-defense, not that that's important, I was and am still really concerned about those two particular things I've just mentioned but I do sincerely apologise to those that found it difficult and complicated. However, I truly hope that you'll listen closely to those messages again and perhaps get what I was trying to convey to you. So in order to complete the explanation of the 70 weeks of Daniel's prophecy, I want this morning to ask the question, what about this gap in the prophetic timetable? What about these intervening 2,000 years or so since Messiah was cut off? You might say, what was God doing or what is God doing in these times and why? Well, as we've already said, God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. God rules and overrules in the affairs of mankind and of his people in particular, of course. You see, there ever was an eternal plan and purpose in the divine counsels, the persons of the Godhead, that the Son of God's love, the Lord Jesus, should have a bride, 
which we've spoken about previously, a bride that is perfectly suited to him. God gives us a beautiful illustration of this at the very beginning of our Bibles, which is really significant, I believe. Before ever sin came into the world, God said he would make a bride for Adam that would come from him and be perfectly suited to him. This bride, Eve, was taken from Adam's side when God caused a deep sleep to fall upon him. No doubt a picture of the death of the Lord Jesus at Calvary. So although Calvary was the greatest travesty of human justice this world has ever seen, God's plan ever was to make that death the only answer to deal with man's sin, to become the place of forgiveness for sinners, but also to be the birthplace, so to say, of the church, the means of preparing a company of people that would constitute that bride that forever would be the joy of his son's heart. So the prophetic clock has been stopped. The purposes regarding the nation Israel have been put on hold. But something has been, which has been hidden in God from the foundation of the world and throughout, throughout Old Testament times is now being revealed. And might I say you will look in vain to find the church in the Old Testament because it just isn't there. God now introduces a new thing, something Scripture calls a mystery. The real meaning of the word isn't something mysterious. Rather, it's something previously hidden, but now revealed. Paul the Apostle says this in the the epistle to the Ephesians, God made known unto me the mystery, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God. This previously hidden and now revealed mystery is the church, and God's plans and purposes are bound up in that which in a coming day at the rapture will constitute a love gift, so to say, of our God to his own beloved Son. So what I'm trying to explain is that this church age is a parenthesis, a parenthetical and undefined, unmeasured period of time which rests between the end of the 69th week and the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. Please don't get confused about that. The end of the 69th week, Messiah was cut off. The beginning of the 70th week is when judgment will fall. In particular... It will be the time of Jacob's trouble, as we tried to say last time. But here we are, in this intervening period of time. This is why you will never see any prophecy about the church in the Old Testament. It was hidden in the divine purposes until the cross, the resurrection and the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day of Pentecost, the church was born, so to say, and that previously hidden plan and purpose for the bride of Christ began to be revealed, and in particular through the writings of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentile nations. In this church age, the partition, therefore, between Jews and Gentiles has been broken down, as Ephesians tells us, and the gospel is now to the whosoever. And might I say, dear friend, today, if you're not a Christian, the gospel of God's 
wonderful grace and forgiveness and eternal life is available to you today. This church age is totally unique and concludes, as we've said so many times before, with the rapture. That is when all believers will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and in such a condition of togetherness we shall be forever with our blessed Saviour. Then the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy will begin. The clock, the divine clock, will start again to tick, so to say. This is why Scripture speaks of a seven-year period of tribulation that is coming upon this earth. This is why it said, this is what is said about that 70th week, that seven years. A prince will arise, the beast, the man of sin, He will bring destruction, desolation and abomination and he will break his own covenant with the nation Israel. But ultimately, he will be judged and destroyed. At the end of that dreadful week of years, at seven years, the words of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 will be fulfilled. This is what he said. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. And the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven, the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This is none other, of course, than the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes to claim that which his Father has promised him, Our our psalm says this, the nations for his inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for his possession. It is now that this scripture is fulfilled. At that point in time, at the end of those seven years of tribulation, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. There's a lovely hymn that we so often sing. Jesus shall reign. Where'er the sun does his successive journeys run, his kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moon shall wax and wane no more. God bless his word to you. I hope this hasn't been in any way confusing this morning, but will set right into your minds and hearts. God's plans will never be frustrated. God's purposes will never be unfulfilled. He will always fulfill his promise. And today, unbeliever that has never yet come to Jesus for salvation, come, enter into this wonderful future that is the prospect of all those that are believers in him. God bless his word to you today.